Welcome, welcome. This week on Boston Bossy, we will be discussing what we can do to improve race relations in America. What's the main issue and ways to solve it? Question of the week. How powerful is white privilege? Today's topic of the week. What's the remedy for race relations in America? Today we're going to discuss the biggest reasons that race in America is such a huge nuclear bomb. Why we don't talk about it, why when we do talk about it we don't seem to get anywhere. So let's dive right in. The biggest issue with race in America is one side not being able to truly understand the everyday experience of the other side. The second, the second biggest issue is that the opposition to the urban community simply doesn't care. I don't know if that statement has hit you the wrong way, but let me explore a little bit why I say that. Let me refer you to a quote from a John Singleton-directed Boys in the Hood. The character Doughboy says, either they don't know, don't show, or don't care about what's going on in the hood. This is a sentiment that many African American people constantly feel, especially with Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice, Sandra Bland, and other issues of blatant overuse of procedural power by police officers. And then what makes it worse is that prosecutors, judges seem to all agree that an African American life is not worth as much as a white life. The shooting of unarmed, mildly aggressive black men by police forces all over America is evidence either they, white people, don't know what they're doing, which is hard to believe since they're the ones pulling the trigger, they only secretly admonish the racist acts of a few, but publicly distract from clear examples of racism, or they're doing it intentional. All sides lead to the same conclusion. It's not working. If Brad was shot, for example, in the middle of Manhattan taking pictures of a restricted area, the outcry from the society and the nation would be deafening. We wouldn't be able to go into stores, Whole Foods would close, Amazon wouldn't get any packages. There would be a standstill and a requirement for justice to be had. Only, only it's not Brad being shot. It's Benjamin. It's Tyrone, it's Daryl, it's Tamar, it's Trayvon Martin. That's who's being shot. And no matter what community they're in, what socioeconomic their families had, they're still just a black man, which makes them a target. One of the worst forms of abuse is mental and verbal. And African-American men and women experience mental, verbal, and occasionally physical abuse on a daily and often consistent level. There's never a moment in their day when they can rest, relax, and reflect on what it is to be an American. They're constantly in competition with their white counterparts just to be enough. Back in Jim Crow days, if you had a drop of African American blood, you were considered an inferior being. This to me is such a, a hard pill to swallow coming from a group that is actually inbred. Whether it was in England or when they moved here to the United States of America, 
Caucasians have no right to gauge or guard or judge other people and other races. They're so fragmented and destructive that most of their diseases come out of their side. They constantly look for the inferiority in others when really they should turn the mirror on themselves. But this isn't this podcast isn't going to be a he say she say or try to downplay any one group, but it is going to shed some light on some things that we ignore and for lack of a better word, whitewash because it's uncomfortable. It's important for us to realize that if we're making white people uncomfortable and upset, then we are doing something right. Their comfort level is no longer our concern. Because clearly ours is none of theirs. Uh, I'd like to think that we could all live on this planet as one kumbaya big family. But maybe that's not the reality. But what is the reality is that we're all human beings that bleed blood. And we need to learn how to respect that. But let's delve a little bit deeper into how we've gotten where we've gotten. Because this isn't a one-time affair. This is certainly something that's been going on for a while. And we have the power to change the current trajectory of race relations in America. With a little hard work, I think we can do it, guys. Peggy McIntosh, in her essay entitled White Privilege and Male Privilege, describes white privilege for herself as the following. White privilege is an invisible backpack of unearned assets that I can count on cashing in each day, but about which I was meant to remain oblivious. White privilege is like an invisible weightless knapsack of special provisions, maps, passports, code books, visas, clothes, tools, and blank checks. This... This combined with the media misrepresentation of people in general, it's easy to understand where the breakdown is coming from. What's not easy is why it continues. One can leave one can leave, levy such reasons as tradition, conditioned behaviors, financial gain from oppressed people staying in the same condition, whatever. But when lives are at stake, you realize the true depravity of the oppressor. The reason most Caucasian Americans are only starting to realize how ridiculous Trump is and why some will never is that America is racist. As NeNe Leakes would say, I said what I said. The whole country has no problem with the water being toxic in Flint, Michigan and babies in cages at the southern border. It doesn't affect them. Even if they have black friends, married a black man or employ a mostly black workforce, Because for black and brown people, this is not the first time our existence has been criminalized. For them, it's just not an important factor. Just breathing and living as a Panamanian African American with a physical disability not only makes me a walking target, it also keeps me constantly on edge having to constantly read the room and make sure I'm not being too ethnic so I don't come off as aggressive or taking things personally. My father had to prepare his black son on how to interact with white people in general, but especially cops, to make sure he doesn't die. It's a sad reality for many fathers of African American boys and girls. This isn't something that even crosses the mind of white youth and their parents. They live in an entitled life where they barely respect authority, but expect unquestioned respect from black and brown people. 
These daily microaggressions lead black and brown people to feel in conflict with themselves and especially white people. If we don't find a way to come to an understanding, a waste war is not only inevitable, but it's necessary for the tide to change. It's a logical solution being that my mother's family is from Panama. I know from my own dis dysphoria story that being free isn't easy, but it's necessary for growth. How can African Americans ever be comfortable in the country that they built when every institution in it is silently working to kill them or keep them in a subservient role? The killing of black men in America is so effing annoying. I mean, it's like America has a blind spot in the reality that you do not have to shoot to kill. You can shoot someone's foot. You can shoot someone's ankle. You can shoot their side. You don't have to shoot to kill. The shoot to kill is the weakness of a white man who feels inadequate in the presence of a black king. He knows how powerful we are, so he's just making an, a, a predetermined decision to wipe us out and decimate our families now. You know, normally, guys, I try to be very calm, have a well-thought-out topic for you guys, but this week, nah, I'm good. I'm good. You want to know why I don't talk about politics on this show? You want to know why I don't talk about race issues or some things? Because I'm super, super not with the shits. I'm with... You shoot an arm on black men, you should die. Straight like that. Oh, but things could happen. Nah, B, you're trained. You're supposed to do better. The unarmed black man doesn't have to make himself less threatening than being unarmed. It's your job to make yourself better. And if you can't figure out how to manage that one job to make yourself a better law enforcement professional, then fucking quit. Be a fireman. No one ever said a fire was unjustly put out. No one ever said, I wish this fire had gotten more rights. Why don't you fuck with something that's in your lane? Clearly, protecting and serving isn't one of those things. Welcome What's good, y'all? This is becoming one of my favorite parts of the episode, the TV show roundup, where we get to review all of the awesome TV shows I've been watching this week, as well as some I think you should watch, and some Netflix shows. This week is especially exciting as Shondaland returns on ABC, blessing us television enthusiasts with some primetime premieres this week. So let's jump right in. Working Mom on Netflix... This fun, irreverent show finished strong with all the mothers accepting that motherhood comes in different forms. It's okay if your form of motherhood doesn't include baby, yoga, play dates, and gift registries. The most important part is that you're that child's mother, and that's all that matters. And whatever motherhood looks like to you is what it looks like to you, and that's what's important. The messages sent through the last few week, few episodes were so important. Women's mental health post-pregnancy. Work versus home life balance. Finding yourself can mean losing someone else. And it's okay if enough is enough. I really admire Linda and her husband for making the very difficult yet very responsible decision to not continue their third pregnancy. Tune into this landmark show on Netflix. It's extremely binge-worthy. Our next show, For the People, on ABC Thursdays at 10, returns for its second season. 
The Southern District Court is the highest court under the Supreme Court. Some of the most important cases of our lifetimes are decided inside those hollow, hall, hollow halls. It's a really exciting show. You get to see the prosecution, the federal prosecution, and the federal defense. Um, you see how sometimes it's a very thin line between right and wrong, justice and freedom. And I really enjoy how they explore both sides moral and emotional dilemmas with the cases they have to argue. Um, I feel like this show is going to grow into one of those NYPD Blue, Law and Order, just shows that show us how it should be done, um, especially the amount of time they take to put their cases together, the amount of back dealing that goes on between prosecution and defense. It's very exciting, and it's also beautiful to see that at the same time, both sides are taking the cases very seriously. Kind of, for me personally, especially with today's topics that we discussed earlier, um, I really feel like they touch on equality and um, how important certain demographics are going to take adjudications. So I really love this show. I can't wait for you guys to catch on to it, and we'll definitely be talking about it more throughout the podcast. Station 19 also returns for its second season. Um, If you don't know about it, let me give you a little snippet from the page off of ABC. Practically raised as Seattle Station 19, Andy Herrera is a confident firefighter who is also the doctor, who is also the daughter of Pruitt Herrera, the formidable head of the firehouse. Captain Pruitt was Andy's primary inspiration to become a firefighter and is a mentor to both her and Jack Gibson, the lieutenant at the station. Jack is as fearless as Andy is by the books. But when the two are together, sparks fly and opposites attract. The two are joined by Maya Bishop, Dean Miller, Travis Montgomery, Victoria Hughes, and the station's newest addition, rookie Ben Warren, who is also a doctor, formerly on Grey's Anatomy, who is married to uh, the head of staff, Miranda. The team also works closely with Seattle PD, often running into Andy's former flame, Ryan Tanner. This show is good and yummy for all the same reasons that For the People is, but more importantly for the reasons that Shondaland has become the epitome of television perfection. Um, There's great backstory in all the characters, really depth um, in the storylines. It's never cut and dry. It's not just put out the fire and go back to the station and eat. Um, There's some sexual power dynamics. There's some great um, mental health issues that go on with various characters. Uh, I really admire their new captain, played by Boris Kojo, um, also known as Captain Sullivan. He brings such a different aspect, such a seriousness to the firefighting, but also such a guard and a wall around his personal life I'm really enjoying how they're peeling back those layers and lastly Whiskey Cavalier ABC Wednesdays at 10pm the adventures of an FBI agent and his new partner a badass CIA operative who together lead a team of spies this show was fun and campy great action great dialogue just something to kind of lighten your week Um, I can attune it to Castle, but there's definitely more um, procedural knowledge on 
both parties on um, both lead role actors so if you're a fan of Shondaland and you like Scandal then you'll recognize some of the characters um, they also have comedian Ver Das in it a strong Latina character who plays the um, FBI psych doctor. And I love that. I love the myriad of characters. We have an Indian, a Hispanic, a black, a female, two females that are actually the most powerful on the team. Um, And we got the white guys kind of like the hapless chump. And I like that because it just gives us a different perspective. It lets the woman be the superhero. So we really love Whiskey Cavalier. We're going to continue to watch it and see how it pans out. It's that time again, boys and girls, a common sense review this week is question of the week. Do we value black and brown women? So a co-worker of mine quoted as saying, look how long it took for them to put her picture in the news. Referring to Jassy Carrera. She was already probably dead, I bet. People should just know, especially women, that between March and September, black and brown women just go missing. It's a motherfucking damn shame family friend of mine you see how quick they go looking for a white girl a black girl has no choice of being no chance of being recovered dead or alive this is just a little bit of how people felt about the question presented to them last week and feel free to continue to answer this and any other previous questions of the week um you know no we don't I don't know what answer you were expecting me to give you guys, but no, we don't. Uh, A black mother is 400% more likely to die during childbirth than her white counterpart. Um, 400% uh, more likely to not be believed by her doctor when she tells them that she's in pain. She will have to repeatedly go back and forth to the doctors to convince the medical community that her pain is real. So if you're asking me, do I believe that we value our black and brown women? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, Absolutely not. Just absolutely not. I I cannot go into more detail than to tell each and every person listening, I am a black and brown woman. And even the way that people take pictures of us is dismissive. They don't light us properly. This is actually this was actually an episode of Blackish. Um, Diane, who is the youngest of the twins, who is the youngest daughter of the Blackish family, took school pictures, and because she is darker skin, she wasn't lit properly, so she almost disappeared into the background, um, and it brought up a bigger issue of colorism in the Black community. But if we're just specifically talking about how society in general views black and brown women, um, there's just constantly this air of mockery. Um, You know, single motherdom is made fun of. Uh, Shows like Family Guy, which I love, mock Latino maids. Um, Black and brown women are just seen as second-class citizens and being that the black man is seen as a second-class citizen the black woman is seen underneath that um so that's my kind of take on do we see do we value black black and brown women 
Um, this week's question is, does, is white privilege powerful? So I hope to hear you guys respond to that. There'll be details um, throughout the show on how you can respond. But you can always DM us, inbox us, Boston Bossy. On Twitter, it's Boston Bossy P. And on Instagram, it's Boston Bossy. So let's go into real life issues. An officer who shot an unarmed black man with a cell phone not charged. So how do you think African Americans are going to let you rock with this blatant miscarriage of justice? Time and time again, you tell us that our lives don't matter. You tell us that we're not of any value. And at the same time, you tell us things are getting better. For whom? Who are things getting better for? They're actually getting worse for more minorities instead of better for, for any minority. I recently finished reading an, an article on how to combat people's racist views. How do we talk to rural America? Um, and it's to sympathize with the, with what they're going through. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you guys hold off on what you think my thoughts are on sympathizing with my oppressor's problems. I mean, majority of any problem they have is because they didn't address problems in the communities that didn't affect them. The crack epidemic had it been figured out and found a way to properly habitualize people and, and take them out of the drug game, then the opiate epidemic wouldn't have gotten such a ground holding. But crack was in the hood and opiates is in the white neighborhood, so that's the difference. Thank you all so much for tuning in to Common Sense Review. Up next, Tracks of the Week. Welcome to Tracks of the Week. So our first track this week is Backbone by Bria Janae. Let's take a listen. Lovely, lovely song by Bria Janae. Our next song this week is Girl by Marion Morris. This is off of her new album. I really enjoyed Marion Morris this year. She did really good at the Grammys. So this is a break from my usual song choice. Let's take a listen to that now. Song by Marion Morris. Our second track of the week is My Bad by Khaled. This is off Khaled's upcoming album. I really enjoy Khaled. I feel like he's definitely one of the new kings of R&B. He has his own style that doesn't need anybody else's permission. And I think that has to be applauded and and encouraged. Again, our... Our third track this week is Bad by Khaled. Bad by Khaled. 
As I said, he's a really exciting artist. I really enjoy him. He always comes out with a banger. The next person on our list this week is someone who's featured with our dear Cardi B. You know, Barty Gang, Barty Gang, Barty Gang. Uh, Patterson Fontaine. He comes back this week with a new flow in Madden Flow. Those are Tracks of the Week. Thank you so much for joining us, guys, for Tracks of the Week. If you like anything that you heard, feel free to go cop it. And, of course, as always, Tracks of the Week will be listed out on our social media pages. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to Tracks of the Week. Thank you so much for tuning in this week to Boston Bossy and listening to our episode. We thank you so much. If you'd like to advertise with us, please follow up with us on social media or Boston Bossy at Outlook.com. I just want to thank each and every person that listens. This means a whole bunch to me. I'm trying something new and I just want to thank you guys so much for joining me on this crazy journey. Look forward to next week when we'll be talking about Mm, I'm going to keep that a surprise for you guys because I want to see how your feedback goes on the question of the week this week. So thank you so much. And I can't wait to sit with you guys and talk, laugh, and communicate some more. So thank you guys so much for joining me this week. Very serious topic. We're going to keep this as a part two next week, just so we can tie up some loose ends. Um, I got to touch on some big issues, white privilege, um, lack of awareness in the Caucasian community of what's going on in the black and brown communities. I just want to kind of put everything together and remind you guys how important it is to have these conversations and these dialogues with your friends, your family members, and your neighbors. The only way that race is ever going to be a past topic in America is if we stop ignoring it. It can't be a taboo that we don't talk about. We have to face it, deal with the wrong things that we've done in it, deal with the right things that we've done in it, and move forward. 
Um, America doesn't just have a problem with black or white. They have a problem with different. That can be seen by the internment camps of the Japanese era. That can be seen by their refusal to get involved in World War II until it directly affected them and all the millions of Jewish people that died before the Americans got involved. That can be seen in Rwanda. That happened during the Clinton administration. That it wasn't until um, it was showing up on the news and making America look back as, as a major UN partner that they got involved. We can be the change that we want to see in the world. It's not a far off concept to no longer see protest over confederate statues. Um, the fact is we don't celebrate the losers anyway. So them holding on to those statues is them trying to hold on to the little bit of racism they feel they have left. And we have to dissipate that. Because while we're still wasting time being racist, other countries are moving ahead technology-wise, economically-wise, and they're not wasting their times with things that are so unimportant. Um, you know, by the time 2050 comes around, there will be no black or white. Everyone will have intermingled with each other and will just be back to what we've always been, the human race. So why waste decades and centuries more fighting an old issue when we can resolve it and move on past it. It's not going to be easy. It won't happen overnight. But it's certainly not going to happen if we keep ignoring what's going on. And why it's going on. And why it continues to go on. I look forward to us continuing this conversation. And I just thank you so much. Please check out our outro song this week. Face to Face by Sammy.